guest speaker today, uh, uh, really almost like a little brother to me. Uh, God placed Jared and Sarah in our lives uh, a couple years ago, and um, I knew that God had plans and purposes for their life, and Jared and uh, Sarah and the family moved up to the great white north, uh, and um, so if he speaks any yuns, that means you all. Uptown means just where a lot of tall buildings are. There's a lot of words that northerners use. And if he uses A, which, <laughs> no. no, not yet, okay. Yeah. All right, uh, <laughs> then say amen. Um, so, uh, but I'm very excited about having Jared here. Also, uh, next week, uh, I wanna prepare us because um, this Pantigo Fest, you know, I have prayed many, many years. I said, Lord, bring him in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And that's what he's doing. He's bringing him into our parking lot. Uh, Kristen briefly told you, but there are not going to be any cars in this area. From here all the way down to, to Pantigo Christian Academy, they're, they're allowing us to come in just because we're a church. So you, there won't be other cars other than ours. There will be vendors. There will be food vendors. Everything is going on right there. And if you do go out there, Yes, you can go out there and have fun, but go out with a purpose. Go out with a plan of sharing Jesus, because next week I'm going to be talking about a collision. And it's probably going to be one, and I'm, I don't normally hype my own sermon. Sorry, I'm taking your time. I don't normally hype, but this is going to be one of the most powerful messages I've ever preached. And it's going to be dealing with evangelism. It's going to be dealing with why we're here. It's going to be dealing with our purpose as born-again Christians and how we collide with this world. And so come, it's gonna be packed out. There's gonna be a lot of people out there. I'd talk to Dino, maybe we can open the doors, have worship where it's just going out and people can come in and we'll have chairs back there. But come prepared to be used by God. Don't just come say, oh, I'm gonna come sit, soak, I'm gonna clap if the right songs are being played. Come to serve next week. And God will fulfill that desire in your heart. So I wanna encourage you. Um, Today, though, I want to turn this over to Jared because I love, I love Jared so much. He's in just for the weekend. He got called in for a special event this weekend. And, and I said, well, are you available to speak? And he said, yeah, and, and I think you're heading back to be with the family this afternoon. So we get him, then he, we send him back up north. So let's give him a great Southern Texas uh, welcome here. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Hey, I love you. <laughs> So excited to be here this morning. I did get to come back to Texas after four months of being in Michigan. And I got to come back for my second wedding that I've ever done in my life. My first one was in a trailer and they were drunk when I got there. And they were drunk when I left and it was uh, lasted about five minutes. They said I do. They said, and he handed me a $50 bill. And, uh, and I don't know what happened from there. I never talked to them again. But I hope they're doing good and they're still married. So, uh, and so I came in for my second wedding. So um, I was, <laughs> Pastor Mark, I didn't even got to hear this yet. So I, I was a little nervous because I was getting married to a spiritual son and daughter. And, you know, I, I learned a couple things in Bible school and they said, you can only you can mess up a sermon every once in a while because you got another week or you know you just may not get invited back but you can't mess up a funeral and you can't mess up a wedding you only get one shot at those and people hate you for life and so I was so nervous and I was thinking man I can't mess this up so I was asking my friends I was like dude give me any of your advice that are all in ministry and so one of my friends the last guy I talked to which was the dumbest thing in the world I shouldn't have talked to him he said hey he's like hey listen a couple months ago I was doing a wedding and uh, when the bride came down I said who gives this man to be away to this man and he's like I messed it up he's like just don't do that and you'll be fine so she's the bride's walking down the aisle last night and I'm thinking to myself don't screw this up don't screw this up don't screw this up <laughs> and sure enough the first words came out of my my mouth who gives this man to be 
oh crud <laughs> i was like hold on let's do it over again so my second wedding uh started off with a bang but finished great and they're married and they're on their honeymoon right now and so uh don't ask me to do your wedding please um <laughs> just side note I'm just teasing. Hey, I'm so honored to be here this morning. If you got your Bible, you turn to uh, James chapter 1 uh, and then Romans chapter 5. We're going to read two different passages. Uh, if, if you're in my generation or below, will you turn on your Bible, excuse me, to uh, James chapter 1 or Romans chapter 5. I, I, I love the iPad. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. You got your phone there. Okay. So if you, I, I love technology. I'm a technology buff. I love the fact that we can have our Bible on multiple devices now. It's great. I can have it on my phone, my iPad, my computer. So I, you know, I haven't carried a Bible. Bible in like almost like three months because I got 50 of them on my iPad now. It's great. So, um, but uh, if, if you, that's a little weird for you, it's okay. I know Pastor Mark does it too. Um, but I just want to start by saying thank you, Pastor Mark and Miss Christopher, for letting me be here. This is an honor. You know, I was I was telling my wife that I got to preach uh, with Pastor Mark and Miss Kristen, and and they are special to me. I tell you that you guys got a special thing. I probably preach, uh, I probably preached at a couple hundred churches maybe at this point in the game. I don't know. I, I haven't tracked it, and I, I know I've at least heard a thousand million sermons at different churches at this point in the game. And uh, and Pastor Mark and Miss Kristen, I just want to honor you publicly in front of your church. You guys are one of the best pastors in the world. I mean, you guys are the bomb. I love you. They, they were here in my life. We were going through just a crazy season. And, and Pastor Mark said, we were going to be the most encouraging church for you this season with me. And that was the truth. And I'll tell you what, they almost restored my faith in good people and good churches. So you guys, you guys have such a beautiful thing here. And if you don't realize it, realize it today because they are the best of the best. And trust me, because I've met some of the best of the best that I, people say are the best of the best. And, and they're not. And you guys have the best of the best here at Lake House Church. They're great. And so I want to take a minute to honor them. And also, my family couldn't be here because we couldn't afford to fly all, all five of them in. And uh, I have a new baby for you guys that don't know. Her name's Olive. And, but my mom got to be here with me today. And this is my mom. Her name is Jamie. And, uh, and so this is really special. My mom got to be with my dad. Just took off out of town so he couldn't make it. But maybe one day you're going to meet him too. You'll know why I'm so crazy after you meet my dad. So uh, let's uh, pray for a minute and then we'll get in the Word. Father God, we love you. Jesus, I thank you for all that you do, God. I'm so excited to be here with family. I'm so excited to be here with friends. And God, I pray that this morning, God, that you would just use this word that I, uh, that I was praying on all week long. And I really feel like this is a word for this timely season at Lake House Church. And God, it was confirmed by Miss Kristen because she always preaches my words before I ever get to them. Because she hears from you all the time. So God, I pray that God, as I speak for the next few minutes, God, that you would use what I'm communicating to speak to your people. And God, I don't, I don't care if I'm funny, God. I don't care if whatever happens. The only thing I care about is Jesus, that people's lives are changed and we leave different than when we came in here. So God, I pray that that would happen. And God, I pray that your presence would be in this place like it already is. In your name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. I want to read this first passage out of James chapter 1. We're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8 is what we're going to be reading. If you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen right here. It says, consider it pure joy, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you're not just going to face one or two. You're going to face many kinds of different trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love that passage. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If, you, if any of you uh, lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable. And then I want to read on this passage of Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we should also glory in suffering. 
Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put, uh, put up to shame. Because, God love, because God's love has poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given to us. I, I titled this message this morning, Squeezed. And uh, life will squeeze you. Life is full of problems. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. That doesn't mean if you're a Christian or you're a lost person, we're all going to have problems in life. It doesn't matter who you are. We're all going to be squeezed. And, and over the years, uh, I've noticed I've been squeezed a lot by life. I mean, anybody else in the world, anybody else in here had a problem before? Okay, maybe two of us. Great. The rest of you, just, you just wait for the next 20 minutes and I'll be done and, and we'll move on. But life just squeezes us. And, and, and I got this little illustration this morning. I went to Walmart this morning and bought a sponge. And, and here's what I realized about life. Sometimes in life, uh, you know, we handle things pretty well. And sometimes in life, we don't handle things so well. And uh, sometimes in life, as we get squeezed and as life problems come, maybe your car breaks down or maybe your wife leaves you or maybe your kids aren't serving Jesus or maybe, you know, your kid's sick or you had a kid with a birth defect or maybe whatever's going on. We just kind of soak up some of those issues in life. And I, and I love it because... Problems are going to come. And sometimes in life we soak up good things. And in the middle of all those problems, we rejoice in the middle of them, like the Bible says. Sometimes we read our word, we're praying, we're like, God, I love you in the middle of it. And you know what? What comes out is just clear, clean, good. It's lovely. The gifts of the Spirit come out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things come out in the middle of those moments. But how many of you guys know sometimes that's not what comes out of us? Sometimes in life... As we're going through a situation and somebody cusses us out on the freeway, a little anger gets into our hearts. Or sometimes, man, when our baby is sick and we've been praying for a miracle for a couple weeks and it doesn't happen, we start to doubt God and a little doubt comes up into our lives. And that just kind of mixes it up a little bit. Or how come maybe sometimes you're going through a situation in life and, and your wife is mad at you and she hates you and you're trying to figure this out because your kids hate you. And in the middle of all that, you start to get mad and start blaming them for your problems and you start getting bitter at your family. And it kind of mixes a little bit more in your life. And you know, sometimes other problems come and we don't handle them so well either. We're, we're driving down the road and and life's not great, and we're thinking about all the problems in life, and, and we know we should take a minute and just praise God, but instead we just start getting bitter at God. We're like, God, it's your fault. If you, if you loved me, you wouldn't let me go through that. And, and what happens to those situations is we start taking in some of the problems of the world, and we start soaking up those problems, and we start soaking up those situations. And then when life comes, and it squeezes us one more time, and we're right at our edge, and then we get squeezed just a little bit more, it's not so pretty what comes out of us. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the room? Or am I the only one that goes through times in life where we get squeezed and we don't do so good? I, I think through life real quick in my own life, and, and I handle some situations pretty good in life. I remember one time my car broke down and my wife was mad at me about something that probably wasn't my fault. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, just my, one of my kids was sick. I just, it was like a culmination of things. You know, we couldn't pay the bill that month. And we're trying to go through it. And I remember getting in my car and I was driving to a meeting. And I just took him in and I said, you know what, God? You're good. And I just put on some words. I just started lifting my hands like, Jesus, you're so good. The car's going all the places. I'm like, oh, I can't do that, you know. And then, you know, I'm just like driving down the road. I'm like, Gee, I just start worshiping God. I'm like, God, you're good. And in the middle of it all, I'm like, whoo, I feel good right now. And you know what? After a week or two, all those problems didn't even matter anymore. It was beautiful how it worked. But then there's been some other, you know, I mean, I remember just the, our most recent trial. I remember we, uh, with our new baby, our, our, th our, our four-month-old, Olive, she was just born four months ago. And uh, about a month before she was due, 
We go to the doctor and my wife comes home and she's crying in tears and she says the doctor said our baby's going to have a cleft lip and maybe even cleft palate too. So we start praying. We're believing God for a miracle that God's going to heal our baby in the womb. And we, just, we stand on faith on it. Well, my baby comes out. She has a big old split in her mouth and a big old hole in the top of her roof of her mouth. You know what some people do in those moments? They start getting mad at God. And man, I'll tell you what, I felt like I did great in this one. I was like, Jesus, you're good. This is a beautiful little baby girl. She is beautiful. I'm like, God, and it's so cool how God is just in the middle of this situation. I'm like, I didn't get mad. I didn't curse God. I didn't start going, God, I'm a preacher. I've been do- serving you. I've been living for you. Now you're going to give me a baby. I, none of that. And, and the flip side, I was just like rejoicing. Them. I'm like, thank God I had this beauty. And we were at the, I remember we were at the hospital. And I was telling my mom this just the other day. I was at the hospital and this other lady came in. And, and her baby was in, a, in a, one of those handicapped wheelchairs. And she had breathing tubes all over her. And she's probably not even going to make it. In the, and I was sitting there watching this mom and how happy she was and how in love with her baby was. And I was just thanking God. I said, God, a cleft lip. I'll take that all day long. Amen. I'll take that. I'll, Jesus. I'm so happy and so rejoiceful. You know, if that's all, if that's the only trial, and they can fix that, it's going to be beautiful. If that's, if that's the only thing, and I passed that test, great, and that trial, great in life. Now, there's been some other situations in life I've not done so good. I, I kind of failed really bad. Matter of fact, I wish life had a do-over button for those. I wish God would give you like maybe like 50 do-over buttons in your life or something, and you could use them sparingly. I probably used all mine by the time I was 10, but most of the time I wish... I wish you could have a, anybody else wish you could have a do-over button? Yeah, I, I, I love do-over button. I remember probably one of my biggest dumb moments in ministry, which I wish I could have a do-over in, is I remember <laughs> about four or five years ago, uh, God's grown me a little bit since then, and uh, I, I decided to do an all-night lock-in for a youth group, and then we were going to do a garage sale fundraiser going on this mission trip, and I thought to myself, you know what, kids never show up on time for these things, I'm always doing it, so I'll do an all-night lock-in and combine it with an all-day garage sale, and that way the kids are there, they'll help out, and I'm thinking, dude, this is going to be a great idea, I'll be tired, but man, they'll just carry over, the kids are there, they'll help me pull out the stuff, dumbest idea if you're ever going to be in ministry I've ever had in my life, so about four o'clock in the morning, I'm tired, like, you know, lock-in, you know, four o'clock is that moment where you hit, and you're like, if little Billy comes up to me one more time with his monster drink and he's pinging off the wall, I'm going to choke him. I just know it's going to happen, you know. And so 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning comes and, you know, most time in the lock-in you get to that point and you're like, it's okay, I only got two more hours, I'm going to send him home. I'll just smile for a little bit longer. But I'm getting to that point where I'm tired and I'm starting to get frustrated and we had tore up the church. We were in this church, it was a nice facility, and at this point in the night we'd busted two holes in the wall. I tore off one of the exit signs with this, we had this big old ball and we're playing football in the middle of the hallway. It, I had fun when we had lock-in. I tore off a fire seat. We, uh, the church lost $2,000 that night in damages probably. <laughs> and so I, I knew I was going to get reamed from that from the pastor, but I was having fun so it didn't matter. And, and, uh, but I kind of was thinking about that in the back of my mind. And, um, and I remember we had to start cleaning up the church because I had to at least put it back together. And so we start cleaning up the church and everybody's cleaning up all the church. All the kids are doing great. And there's this one little girl and she's sitting over there on the couch with her little earphones in her ear and she's just sitting there. She's not cleaning. And I'm like, did she miss the memo? Did I not communicate properly? So I walk up to her and say, hey, sweetheart. And I'm trying to be nice. And I say, hey, listen, uh, did you not hear when I was talking about cleaning up the church? You want to do that now? And she's like, yeah, 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 okay. And so I leave the room and I come back a few minutes later and she's still sitting on the couch. And I'm like, maybe she's having some problems with community. So I'm like, hey, listen, we clean up the chair. You understand? I'm trying to do a different kind of smoke signals or something. Whatever I got to do. I write it down. People clean up. You know, what do I need to do to communicate with you? Sweetheart? So I tell her and I come back again and she's still sitting on the couch. So I take her earphones out of her ear. I get a little aggressive this time. I take them and I grab her iPod. And I say, listen, maybe you need some help. 
So why don't you go and you're in charge of the kitchen. I want it cleaned up. So I just leave thinking she's going to do what I say because I'm a great leader and everyone does what I say. And um, apparently I'm not. And so I come back 30 minutes later and she's in the kitchen and I think she thought she was the supervisor and not the helper. And next thing you know, she's sitting on the counter telling everybody what to do in the kitchen. And so I walk up to her and I just lost it. I don't know, Jesus left me for a moment and then came back. And I walked up to her and I just lost it. I said, you are lazy. I said, you're lazy. I'm like, I'm reaming her. I was like, you're the laziest person I think I've ever met in my life. I've asked you three times to clean up. You're not doing nothing. You need to break laziness off your life. I'm like preaching to her, but it's not out of love at all. There's no love in my heart for this lady, this young girl. And so, and so of course, what is she going to do? She starts crying, and she calls her mama, but her mama didn't answer the phone. So he got, she got three of her friends mad, with me, mad at me with her. And so one of their parents came and picked him up. So I was like, all right, well, great. She's gone. I don't at least want to deal with that anymore. So. One o'clock in the garage sale now, her mama pulls up in the car. And her mama got that look on her face like she is mad. And I'm, now I'm even more tired at this point in the game. And I have enough sense because I've been in ministry a long enough time. When you're tired and mad, don't deal with an angry parent. Just wait till you're like halfway saved again and then go back and deal with that. And so I, I, I tell the mom, the mom goes, I need to talk to you right now. I said, no, you don't need to talk to me right now. <laughs> it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for me. You don't want to talk to me right now. I'm tired. I've been here all day. I'm in the middle of garage sale. I got kids here running around sleeping on stuff. You know, I was like, it, you know, it's not going to be good for you to talk to me right now about you. And it's not going to be good for you. And she goes, well, I need to talk to you now. I said, ma'am, I, I don't need to talk to you right now. We need to deal with this Monday morning when I'm fresh and prayed, you know, and slept for at least six hours and uh she goes that's not going to work i will talk to you right now and i said okay you want to talk to me let's talk so <laughs> then i then i made the second dumbest mistake of my life so we go back in the back room in my office and we're and we're talking her and her daughter and she says what did you tell my daughter i said well, what did your daughter tell her tell you that i told her and she goes, well, what did you tell her? I said, why don't you tell me what she told her? We're like having this like moment. <laughs> and so, so finally she says, well, my daughter said that you just out of nowhere called her lazy. I said, well, that's partially true. <laughs> I was like, but that's not the whole truth. And I said, why don't you tell her what really happens, sweetheart? And so she told her mom. And then her mom goes into reaming me. So I don't know what happened. Like every demon in hell came out of me at this moment. I just lost it on him. I said, let me tell you what the problem is. You're the problem. I point to the mom. And I said, you're the problem. I was like, your daughter is the way she is right now because of you. And matter of fact, I know your, I know your dad is on the board, but you're the one giving your daughter cigarettes because I know because she told me. And I just start reaming her. And I'm like, let me tell you, what are you going to do when she's 20? You're going to be still supporting? You're going to go up to McDonald's when she's working up there and go talk to her manager because he called her lazy too? What are you going to do, woman? And I'm just like, I just lost it. I don't know what happened. Every Jesus left me for like a brief moment. <laughs> Next thing you know, they left the church. Her daddy who's on the board is mad at me and telling pastor. And I'm in a messed up situation that I should have never been in. Because I had a moment where I got squeezed and something good did not come out of me. And I, I realized in life, life will squeeze you. It will. And what you put into your life will come out. I love what Pastor Adam, my pastor, my mentor, he told me a long time ago. He said, Jared, he goes, when you have these moments in life where the pressure's on, you find out the real man that you are. 
And it really is true. You find out who you really are when the pressure's on. It's easy when you just had the trash spill over and you got to come clean up the trash or a dog ripped it open. You know, that's an easy trial. Everybody, for the most part, passes. Some people lose it on that one. They start cussing, kicking trash all over the place. I saw one dude out in the yard throwing trash up in the air. I was like, man, what are you doing, man? It's just a dog. Bitch, you're trying to be deal. Pick it up, put it back in there. It's all right. Just smile, grin, praise you. It's fine. Some people lose on little things, but most of the time we can make it through the little things in life. But what it is, is when we're tired, when we're, when we're upset about something, maybe when we've had 10 or 15 problems happen in 10 or 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden we've soaked up all these other things. We start a little bitterness here. We got a little anger we hadn't dealt with. We got a little bit of this and this and this. All of a sudden, when that last person just squeezes us one more time, the bad stuff comes out. And this morning, I titled this squeeze because I've looked at my life over the years, and I've... I've been squeezed a lot. I told my wife when we first got married, some people, they get trials in ones and twos. For some reason, they come in tens or fifteens for me. I don't know why. It's like Jesus really loves me that much. He's going to let them come in tens or fifteens. And sometimes I pass great. And other times, when I get squeezed, some of Jared comes out, and it doesn't look pretty. And this morning, I, I wrote down a couple different uh, responses that people, most common responses that people have when they get squeezed. The first most common response, in my opinion, there's the blow-uppers. These are the people, when they get squeezed, they blow up. Those are the people that you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you just like need to get over so you came over, you thought you were fine on the highway and all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're giving you the birdie and they're like, ah! you're like, whoa, dude, I just got in front of you, man. <laughs> I'm like, chill out. <laughs> man, if I know that'd be a deal, I'd just put the brakes on, move past you. I didn't realize, you know, these are the people that all of a sudden in their marriage, they're the ones that are yelling and throwing food at each other and, and throwing their <laughs> boots at people. They're the blower upper people. And you're like, man, what in the world? I don't know how that happened. There's the blow up people. I remember in high school one time, I, I pulled out in front of this lady and all of a sudden she like, I, I thought there was plenty of distance between me and her. And, and next thing I know, this lady is like right up beside me and she's like, man, she's yelling out the window. And I don't know what she's saying. I got my windows up. I got my music playing. I don't know what she's yelling about. And I, I could tell she ain't happy. And so she's yelling and screaming and, and she's throwing fingers at me that are inappropriate. And I'm like, whoa, what in the world? And she has a kid like standing up in the back seat, running around and another kid in the front seat. I'm like, dude, this lady is scary. And then all of a sudden she, I'm not rolling. I guess she wanted me to roll down the window so she could hear all the profanity she was saying to me, but I wasn't going to roll down the window. I'm like, this is crazy. Lady. I'm not going to roll down the window. This lady. And so I'm like, no. And so she proceeds to try to like run me off the road, like in the movie. She's like coming at me. So I'm like kind of swerving back and I'm like, what in the world? And I come back and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe she's done. Maybe she's been. No, she goes round two. She's like, she's trying to hit me. I'm like, this lady got kids in her car. And I'm like, so I pull over the side of the road because I'm like, this little skinny lady ain't going to beat me up. There's no way. So I'm like, I mean, unless she got a gun or something, we live in Texas. But I ain't worried about this lady hurting me. So I pull over because I'm like, she's going to kill us or kill her kids. So I pull over the side of the road. She pulls up from me. She comes out of the car. She's yelling something. I got kids in the car. You pulled out in front of me. You could have killed them. And I just look at her and I said, lady, you're trying to run me off the road. You have kids in the car. What, what are you talking about? That didn't diffuse the situation too much. But then she keeps cousin, and finally I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got you. I, look, do you forgive me? And she, I don't ever forgive you. She's still cousin at me, gets back in the car and speeds off. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. Wow. Is that really? Because I just barely cut you off a little bit, pulled out in front of you. That's it. Those are the blow up people. It's like the shortest little thing. It's like they're going crazy. That's how they deal with those. So then the next type of people that respond a lot of times in situations where they get squeezed is there's the avoiders. A lot of times in life, there's the avoider people. They're the people that like, man, they would avoid going to church because they're afraid that God's going to convict them of something. 
<laughs> they'll avoid other people because that one person talked about them that one time. So they're, you know, they don't want to deal with the problem. They don't want to move forward. So what they're going to do is they're going to avoid. There's people that don't go to stores because they had a conflict at that store and they don't want to ever talk to any of the people there. I mean, it's, it's so funny to me, the avoiders. But there really are. That's the next type of people. And they get squeezed. What they do instead of dealing with the problem or repenting for the problem or saying, hey, man, I'm sorry, God, I blew it the other day. They just avoid it. They just run from it. They're the runners. They're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just run away. That doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> running doesn't solve anything. All you do is going to get tired from running at some point. That's all it's going to do. But that's the second response. The third response typically people have when they get squeezed, there's the, there's the blow-uppers, there's the voiders, and then there's the blamers. God, you must hate me. God, you hate me. I know you hate me. You don't let me go through these problems. Jesus, you hate me. I know you hated me. God, you, you don't love me. If you love me, you wouldn't let my kid be sick. God, if you love me, my car would never break down. They're just the blamers. It's not me, it's my wife. I had that, some guy came to me in church the other day and he was telling me, he was complaining about his wife and I said, you know, it always takes two to tangle. Oh, you don't understand, it's not me, it's my wife. And I said, hmm, for some reason I don't believe that. And so, come to find out, I'm also friends with his brother and so me and his brother were working on my Jeep that broke down. By the way, don't ever buy a Jeep. They break down all the time. And so I'm sitting there in his garage, and, and I said, hey, man, how's your brother doing? I said, he keeps talking about his marriage. You know, his wife's going to leave him every week. He's like, man, don't believe anything that dude said. He's a liar, man. I, I'm getting the full scoop because my wife's talking to his wife, and dude, that dude is messing up his marriage. I said, mm-hmm, that's what I thought. But there's the blamers. It's always somebody else's fault. Uh, God, I, I don't know why you let me go through this, man. I don't know. It's not fair. You know, uh, uh, you know, it's all that stuff. The guy I bought the car from, man, I know I hadn't changed the oil in three years, and I've been driving it for three years fine, but, man, that guy I bought the car from, he must have abused it. That, it's his fault the car breaks down all the time. You know, it's always the blamers. And then from there, there moves to the escapers. And the escapers are the people that when life gets tough, they go back to their old sin issues. Because that's what feels comfortable to them. And, uh, you know, I, I, the escaper people are the ones that struggle the most, I think, a lot of times in these situations. Because what, what they do is they go back to what's comfortable. I, I heard this guy talking about sexual sin one time. And he said that he was doing counseling for, uh, for different people uh, who were having problems with sexual sin, pornography, cheating on their spouses. And he said what happens typically is when people struggle with life and problems weigh them down, what they do is they go back to that, what that's comfortable. It doesn't always have to be sexual sin. It could be anything. But they go back to this comfort zone for them. And so if that's whatever that sin issue for you is comfortable, that's what you go to. Some people might be smoking weed or might be drinking or whatever. I, my wife and I have been ministering to a couple at our church and, and his wife is a leader and she loves Jesus. And she She's been talking to my wife, and she's been saying, hey, listen, will you pray for her husband? We said, well, what can we pray for him about? And he, he loves Jesus, too. He comes to church, and he, he's a Christian. And, and I remember just this past week, we were talking, my wife was talking to my wife, and we were praying for her. And, and she said, man, my husband's just having such a hard time at work. And I don't know why, but he just started drinking again. And man, he's been coming home and he's just been drinking beer until he passes out on the couch. And the next morning he's rolling out of bed with a hangover. And then the other day, one of his friends came by with a bag of weed. And so he started smoking weed again. And you know what I, what I realized is the pressure of life is squeezing him. And what he's doing is he's escaping to something that will take him away from it all. But what he doesn't realize is it's just causing more problems. And it's never dealing with the issue. That's right. There's the escapers. And then last but not least, there's the quitters. When things get really tough, they just quit. They quit on God. One of my best friends in high school, it breaks my, I mean in college, excuse me, one of my best friends in college, it breaks my heart. We were, we were roommates for years and 
loved Jesus, worked on a staff, was a paid position at a church, loved God. And I remember, I remember this best friend, we always hung out together, we were doing ministry. He was always talking about the mission trips he was going to go on and blah, 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 et cetera, and all the things we're going to do for God. I, I've known him for four or five years, my best friend. And I remember... I remember uh, one day he called me on the phone. He said, hey, Jerry, would you come over to the house? I said, yeah. This after I got married and I moved out. We were roomies for a while. I said, yeah, man, what can I do? He said, dude, you're never going to believe this. He's like, my mom cheated on my dad. Grew up in a great Christian home, stable. Life. His mom cheated on her, his dad one day, just random. She just had a moment, just cheated on her, his dad. And so it just shook his life, man. I mean, he's, he just had this close family. They did everything together. Him and his dad went hunting all the time. They were always doing Christmas together, a tight-knit family. And it just shook his world. And instead of dealing with the root of all that, you know what he did? He just started escaping into life. And I watched him over the next couple, couple weeks and months and years, and I watched him just quit on God. He eventually quit his job at the church, went and got a secular job. Nothing wrong with that, but he just quit his job. And I, I, I even challenged him when that happened. I said, bro, why are you quitting your job, man? I thought you wanted to do ministry. He's like, man, I just really feel like God's shifting me. He used the God card. And I said, okay, man. And I, you know, I can't argue with that. I mean, I can argue with somebody who said, God said. And so I said, well, okay, man. But next thing I know, he's up in bars drinking every night. And the next thing I know, he's moving and he's up at these hookah bars smoking hookah. And the next thing you know, he's talking about smoking weed with his friends. And the next thing I know, I'm talking to him and he's quit on God. He said, I'm done with God. How would God let this happen in my life? And I thought to myself, man, that's all it took for you to quit on God? Your family, your mom and dad getting divorced, that's all it took for you to give up on God? Let's quit. This quitters, man. It's just the quitters. And I know a lot of people, and I can count over the years, all the people that I've known, that when time gets tough, eventually some of these other things might have been traits in life, but at some point, if they couldn't handle it and life squeezed them so much, they end up blaming God for it and quitting on God. When really, if we go back to what the Bible says, God allows trials to happen in our life to produce character and to change us and to mold us and to make us in who we are. I look at all the trials in my life and all the things that I've been through and I look at them all and I heard a pastor say to me one time, he said, Jared, your, your 20s and your 30s is not about what you're doing for God. It's really about God just making you who you need to be. And I'm probably sure that's going to be true for my 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s till the day I die. God's just going to keep making me into who I need to be and then one day I get to be with heaven he's going to make me and I'll be perfect then. So I won't have to worry about it. I'll get to fly around with the angels and you know, I'll get to like, you know, ride dirt bikes and break my leg and it won't break and it's going to be cool. So it's going to be awesome stuff. <laughs> but what comes out of you when you squeeze? Are you one of the people that I talked to? I looked through that list and I'm probably two or three of those things over the years. I'm the blow upper sometimes. I'm a couple of the other things as I look... But most of us either tend to two or three of those. And I want to give you a couple things today as I close. A couple things to think about when you're squeezed. When life squeezes you, I want you to remember these couple things. Number one, what comes out of you when you're squeezed is what's on the inside. If the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or any of those will come out when you're squeezed. If it's not, what comes out is anger, hatred, bitterness comes out, you avoid it, you start blowing up at people, you get mad, cussing comes out of you. Whatever comes out of you is what's in you. Don't forget that. And the only person that can put that in you is you. Nobody forces you to do something. You allow those things. You take those on yourself. So what comes out of you when you're squeezed is what's on the inside. Number two, take ownership of your problems. My pastor in, in Michigan that I, we just moved to, he just preached a great message on conflict a couple weeks ago. And he said, take ownership of your piece of the pie. 
He said, in life, he goes, I've realized one thing. He's like, there's always a piece of the pie that was my piece, and I need to take ownership for it. He even, he was joking around, but he even said, he goes, even when I look back, and he goes, even everything in my household, my wife, my kids, when they're mad at me, he goes, I take ownership of it, even if I didn't do anything in that moment, because he goes, I married her, and I had kids with her, so I'm just taking ownership for that. And I thought, wow, what a funny, great concept. But the truth is, I love what my pastor said, because he just said, I'm just taking ownership for my piece of the pie. And when you blow it, when you make mistakes, take ownership for it. Recently, I blew it, and I, I had to go back and take ownership for it. I actually had to go back and call a pastor friend of mine and say, hey, listen, I blew it the other day when we were having that conversation. Would you forgive me? I was pri I said the word prideful. I said I was prideful in the way that I talked to you, and uh, I didn't receive from you. Will you forgive me for that? I took ownership for my piece of the pie. It, was, it took every bit of humility that I had, <laughs> but I did it. You know why? Because I'm going to take ownership for my stuff, so next time, good stuff comes out of me, not the yucky stuff and conflict. Number three, if you won't learn what you need to learn, God will keep allowing you to go through the, the same trial. If you won't learn, yeah, go keep going around and around the mountain. Just recently, I had, I was telling my mom this when I got in town, just recently I had some conflict with another pastor. I was telling you about it just a minute ago. And uh, it was actually good I came to Dallas because I was coming to Dallas and I had a moment and I was kind of clearing my head for a minute. And I, God began to speak to me. He said, Jared, I think we've been in the same situation about two or three other times in your life. When are you going to learn? It was clear as day. That's why this message, I'm preaching the same thing God's been going through me, dealing with me. In. And, and when I got squeezed a couple weeks ago, that came out, the yucky stuff, not the good stuff. And, and I heard God speak to me clearly two or three days ago. He said, Jared, when you get squeezed in this scenario, this is what comes out of you. It's always the same scenario, and that's the same thing that comes out of you. And I heard God say, when are you going to change that? How many more times am I going to put you in that same scenario, and you're going to go through the same thing, have to repent and humble yourself, same time? How many more times are you going to have to do that before you learn? I heard God say it clear as day. I'm sitting there praying. I'm like, dang. Jesus, I hate it when you do this to me. Gosh, why do you have to speak? It hurts. I'm like, man, God, you're so right. And I knew he was right because I'm like, man, this is like the third or fourth time over the last 10 years I've been in the same spot, the same thing came out, and then the, the hard part is making it right afterwards. And then people are bitter at you and you got to go fix that and all that. If I just kept this shut right here. But you know what? The thing is, if you don't learn, you keep going through the same thing. And I, I thought, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I should have learned by now. I'm a little slow sometimes, though. God's working on that, too. Number four. Got two more, and I'll be done. When you blow it, ask God for forgiveness. And if you hurt someone else in the process, ask them for forgiveness, too. This is simple stuff. But it's really true. My pastor's wife was talking to the other couple weeks at church. We were, on their, we were on their boat on the lake this past summer. And, and she said, this lady came up to her in church. And she goes, she goes, man, over the weekend, Pastor body, will you pray for me? I, I was doing some stuff. I was doing some drugs and partying. I feel so guilty. And, and she looked back at her and she said, did you ask Jesus? To, did you tell Jesus you were sorry? That's what she said to her first thing. And I thought, man, how crazy is that? The first thing she said was, did you tell Jesus you're sorry? It's real quick. When you screw up and you blow it, go tell Jesus you're sorry. It's real simple. You don't have to, you know, everybody, that's what confession is, repentance is. Just say, man, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Whoops. I made a mistake. Man, God, I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus, forget. I'll, I'll do my best not to do that one again. And then if you hurt somebody else in the process, go ask them for forgiveness as well. You know, the easy part sometimes is asking God for forgiveness. The hard part is go asking someone else for forgiveness. Because, man, you could pray to Jesus and you're like, man, you know God loves you, but you know you're going to go talk to that person. They still might not love you afterwards. <laughs> You've got to still be with that person. But you know what? That's what the Bible says. It says, 
How would you, how dare you sit up here and worship God? I'm going to paraphrase this like message translation. How dare you sit up here and worship God when you got ought against your brother? It says, go to your brother and ask your brother for forgiveness and then come back and worship Jesus. Because you know why? God knows that you can't worship God with a pure heart while you're sitting there thinking about who you're mad at. It's the truth. It's the truth. And so if you blow it, go ask God forgiveness, ask him forgiveness. Number, number five and last thing. Remember in the trial, God is trying to produce something good in you. I know that's the hardest thing to think about when you're going through the yucky stuff and you're thinking, man, why is all this happening to me? But just remember in all of it, God is trying to produce something good in you. I want to go back to this passage one more time. And I want to read this first part out of James chapter 1. It says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, faith will pers produce perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God's trying to give you tools in your life so you won't be lacking anything. That's why you're going through situations. And I know many of us in this room, if you're living life and you're breathing air, you're going through something. My question for you is what's happening when you're going through those situations? Are you producing, are you shooting out fruits of the Spirit? Or are you shooting out the junk that you've put in your life? Anger, bitterness, hatred. Are you shooting out, man, you just blow up at people. Or you go back to your old sin issue when you get overwhelmed. And you go back to that old thing that you've always done. Or man, are you the person that maybe you're at this situation in your life where you've almost quitted on God? Or maybe you're right there on that fringe. You're thinking, God, if one more thing happens, that's it. I know you're not real because how, how would you let me go through this? Maybe God's trying to see how much you love him. Maybe God's trying to produce something in you because that's what happens when we go through trials. If you would, if you close your Bibles and bow your heads for just a minute. We're going to close out service today. And this morning, before I go any further, I want to pray for those that are going through some situations. But before I do that, I want to just take a minute. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity to know God as your personal Lord and Savior. I always tell people, genie, God's not like a genie in a bottle. You don't become a Christian, everything happens perfect. That's why I read that passage. It rains on the just and the unjust. Problems happen to both Christians and not Christians. But the difference is when you're serving Jesus and you give him complete control of your life, in the middle of the problems and the trials, you can always go back to him. If you're trying to journey through life and situations on your own, I'm telling you, at the end of it all, it's going to be harder for you, and it's going to be more lonely, and at the end of it all, you're going to be more frustrated. But the great thing about Jesus is the Bible says, cast your cares on him. And so when I'm going through situations, I just say, God, you're good, and God, I know you're just trying to do something good in my life. And man, in the middle of all that, joy comes over me, peace comes in my heart, frustration leaves me, anger leaves me, all those things begin to leave me. You know why? It's because the Holy Spirit's stirring on the inside of me. Let me tell you something today. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I would challenge you today to give your life to God I don't want to force you to make an emotional decision that's not what I want but if you're in this room you say man I don't know God or maybe I've been away from God and today I want to give my life back to Jesus if that's you I want to pray for you in just a second it's the most important decision you have to make it it's not this hard uh, complicated decision it's just a quick thing you just have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth it's all the Bible says confess with, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved so if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Jerry, man, I don't know Jesus. And before I leave, I want to know God. Or maybe you've been away from God and you want to give your life back to God. If that's you and no one looking around, if you just slip up your hand, I want to pray for you today. Is that anyone in this room? Say, man, I don't know Jesus. Just slip up your hand. I'd like to pray for you today. Anybody at all? Slip it up high so I can see. Now we'll move on. Great, great. Most of us are Christians in this room. We're, maybe you're at a place where you're still trying to figure out about God, and that's fine too. We're all at different places in our journeys. 
I want to ask you this, though, as we close. Maybe you're in this room today, and lately you've been getting squeezed. And good stuff has not been coming out of you when you've been getting squeezed. If you're in this room today, I feel like this was a time alert, and I think Miss Kristen even confirmed with her <laughs> what she was encouraging us with earlier out of Psalms. If you're in this room, and that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you for it, but I just want to pray over you, and I want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, with everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed, you say, man, I'm going through some stuff, and some good stuff's not been coming out, I'm being squeezed. If that's you, just lift your hand, I want to pray for you today. Thank you, I see your hands all the room, great. And this confirms that God's speaking. Good, good, good. Let me pray over you today, and then we'll close. Father God, I thank you for Lake House Church. God, what a place. God, this church, when I talked to Pastor Mark uh, four, three or four years ago when I came over here, I can't remember how long it was now, but I remember he said, man, Lake House Church is going to be a place of restoration, and that's what this house is. And so, God, I pray that, God, for those who lifted their hands in this room, God, that this morning would be just a place of refreshing and a, and a place of forgiveness for them, God, if, they, if they've blown it over the last couple of weeks, or, God, maybe they've been getting squeezed, and they've been, and they've been doing stuff, or going back to old sin habits, or maybe in the middle of all that day, they've even thought about quitting on you or they've just blown up at somebody or they've tried to avoid it wherever they're at in that journey father god i pray that today you would wash them clean you forgive them they'd make right what they need to make right they would learn what they need to learn and god the next time they're in that same situation or next time they're getting squeezed god instead the fruits of the spirit would begin to come out of them god and god patience would be upon them love and joy and and, and god uh, just just all the fruits of the spirit would just begin to flow out of their lives and God, I pray, because I know Jesus, I've blown it many, many times. God, I pray that we would learn so quickly what we need to learn, God, so we don't have to keep journeying. God, some of us in this room, probably even some of the people that raised their hand, I'm guilty of this too, God. We keep journeying through the same thing because we're hard-headed. God, I pray that you would break our pride. God, break our stubbornness. Let us learn what we need to learn so we can move forward with you, God. And God, I pray a special blessing over this house. God, I pray everything that this house does, God, that people will come in. I pray even next week, as people see the church, as they're in the parking lot, God, that people would come and, and they would just even stop by on the doors. They maybe even come inside and say, man, what's going on here? And they, they would get saved. Or God, maybe they just say, hey, there's a church here. We never even knew there was a church here. And maybe next week they come, the week after that, they come back and come into this place and be part of this church and, be, and, and just their lives would be transformed erect for you, God. God, I pray that you begin to do a, just a good work and continue to do a good work here at Lake House Church. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for letting me be here today. I love you and I love your place. Thank you Pastor Mark for letting me be here with you guys. I'm glad that God brought Jared down this weekend just to talk to us because we do go through life. We do get squeezed. I used to tell the men we are like Coke machines and what you put in that Coke machine is what's going to come out when somebody pushes your button. And, um, yeah, that, was, that would have been a good one for you. Um, but I love you, Jared. You know, one of the things that when God brought Jared and Sarah into our lives, God spoke to me. It's not about what he's going to be able to do for you. It's what you're going to do for him. And that's what I'm talking about next week. We are called for a reason and a purpose. And it's not about us. It's about others. And I want to encourage you to, to come next week. Come early. If you need parking passes, you will need the parking pass to even get into this area. Uh, please see one of the ushers. We've got several of the passes. We have the maps back there also. Come early, but come ready to serve. Come ready to serve because God is bringing the harvest right into our, our yard. And uh, just go out and share Jesus and love and tell your story and, and be Jesus in the world. I want to uh, speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you'd stand, please.
according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.